Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 170 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Starting the starting the new year off right. Uh, had a nice time this weekend, visited friends. Normally, don't really do too much uh, during this time, but it was nice seeing people I haven't seen in a while. And in the midst of it, I got to watch all the games, too, and the NFL, and don't really want to talk about the college football side of it because it was yeah, absolute. You know, it was really painful to see that Ohio State game end the way it did, and yeah, it just puts us in a weird spot in that. But yeah, overall it was good. We just saw the Chelsea game end a couple hours ago, and kind of, kind of went how I thought it was going to go deep down, but I didn't want to accept it in a way. So yeah, it's kind of tough scenes a bit. How would you feel if I told you that I had? An irresponsible wager on Georgia plus one and a half. That that's that's tough, that right? Is, yeah. Ohio State cost me an egregious amount of money this year. Plus one and a half or minus one and a half. I had them plus one and a half because I knew that it would be a close game, but it was but, way closer than I thought. Yeah, but you won it still. Yeah, I still won it. Yeah, a, a very it, just put you through the ringer. A tough, a tough, tough game there. I mean, college football semifinal yesterday. Both games were just wire to wire. It was, it was a, it was fantastic. Um, and before we get into you know <clears throat> what we normally talk about, I will say college football is mega entertaining. You should not be allowed to gamble on it. It, it <laughs> is not even. It's 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 just it feels so rigged so much of the time. Like the NFL does a better job. Obviously, it's all rigged, but NFL does a better job of of making it look sort of believable. I think college, dude, just more and more. I mean, Michigan almost won that game. The Harbaugh yeah. actually fucked it. Just crazy stuff. Ohio State should have won. They didn't. Just crazy because they want that Stetson Bennett kid back in the in the and I don't really think he's that good, but. Um all right, let's let's go into into the real games here. Um match day 18 from Friday, December 30th to today, uh January 1st of 2023. West Ham versus Brentford up first. Um 2-0 to the Bees. Ivan Tony scoring in the 18th and then Josh De Silva scoring in the 43rd. Tough tough day here for me because I had a crazy parlay in. It was like 10 to win 700 or something. I only missed by a leg. Tony and Brentford were the first leg. Um, I had them to to win the game, uh, to be leading at halftime, and also uh, for Tony to score, and they were able to do that. I think Brentford just absolutely outclassed West Ham, much more clinical in terms of finishing. West Ham did turn it up later. They, they controlled the ball. They had 64% possession, and they did register five shots on target, but they just weren't able to get anything to fall. This Kamaka guy, I don't, I know they, they switched things up a bit, but I still don't think he's really the answer up there. I just don't think he's that, he's that good. Uh, they slotted Emerson in back there. He stinks. Uh, Sufal's been a bit of a liability, honestly. Um, and then you have like Rice and Pakata. I don't really want to slander either of them because a lot of the play goes through Rice, but I don't, I just don't think that your best player can be a defensive midfielder. I, I don't think that it's like a recipe for success. Uh, good teams often do have good defensive midfielders or at least one of them, but I don't think they can be your best player. I don't think all of the play can come from him. Um, or Pakatai even for that matter, and it's just not a recipe for success. I, I think it's probably time to bring some new players in, one, and if they're not able to do that, then they need a full full revamp because whatever Moyes is doing here is not good. And on the other side, you have a Brentford team that's just like going with the same thing every week, going on form, um, and pretty much going out there with the same game plan, and, and they're able to get results against against solid teams, and they did it here against a team that's sort of in turmoil, but still, you take the three points if you're Brentford any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. They're playing heavily above uh, their expectations. We saw Moyes try to change the formation here, going from a back four to a back three with the wingbacks, as you mentioned. 
Um, they played Paqueta in a position that he played more at the World Cup, plays as an 8 instead of that more advanced 10. I thought Ben Rama got on the ball a lot in dangerous areas. It seemed like he was the most aggressive with his play. And the first 15 minutes, I think they really dominated. They were very unfortunate that they didn't get the lead. I know Rice hit the post in the fifth, and there was a pair of of corners that just uh, went wide from the shots. So Brentford just take their moments uh, to the max. They have the most efficient, and Tooney again gets a goal. We did see him get injured there in the 90th minute or so, and he had to get stretchered off. Um, I think comments have come out that uh, it's not as bad as they say. It's just like a, a muscle sprain or something light. So we may be able to see him tomorrow when they play Liverpool, but um, it'll probably be a game-time decision. But full credit to Brentford. They're flying. Um, another big win here in a point of the season where things are going to get trickier for them now that they're going to play um, higher-quality talent. So uh, it's looking good for them. And, yeah, we're entering January now, and this would be the prime opportunity for West Ham to make a managerial change and have a new manager come in to potentially bring in a player or two. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll do the same thing we did last week. I'll let you have the next one. All right. Um, next, we had the Liverpool... Leicester 2-1 there going in, in Liverpool's favor in the most uh, unorthodox faction, I think. I don't think any of us um, here could have predicted what this outcome ended up being. So fourth minute right away, uh, Leicester with some nice quick play dragging defenders out. Uh, Henderson was kind of caught in the no man's land and uh, the Jewsbury Hall got played in and scored, assisted by Daka. Daka picked up an early knock in the 15th minute. So we had to see Jamie Vardy come in, which really changed the energy up front. Um, and then Liverpool, from there on out, are really just dominating the play. They get a ball in the 38th minute, whipped it across, and uh, Danny Ward's calling for the ball that he's going to get it, and Falfe's, uh sticks a leg out and goes over everybody's head, and it's an own goal. And then right in the 45th minute, uh, the goal kick is played out from Leicester. Van Dyke wins the header, immediately flicked on from Salah. Nunes chips Ward, hits off the post, and Vout Faze scores another own goal. And that's how the scoreline ended. There were a few chances here and there, but the storyline in Vout Faze scoring more goals and having more shots on target than I think Liverpool did for the majority of the game. Yeah, I mean, this was a masterclass from, from Vout. For sure, uh, I was I was working at the bar yesterday, and a guy came in and he saw I had my Arsenal hat on. It was like while they were on, and he asked to put on the fucking Alabama bowl game, and I said absolutely not. And he saw my hat, and he's like, "Oh, I better put this away then." And he was wearing a Liverpool kit, mm-hmm. and I got into a discussion with him, and I, he was one of five realistic Liverpool fans, I guess. Oh, that was um, my next question. I was going to ask, does he know ball? Uh, I don't think he knows ball that that well, honestly. But good kit, good Liverpool kit. The car, the Carlsberg one. That's okay. that's one of the OGs. That's a banger. Um, and he said, you know, we got away with one yesterday. And I said, yes, you absolutely did. It's quite frankly appalling that your, you know, unbelievable front line with Nunez and Salah wasn't able to do anything against just a fraudulent Leicester City backline. It's truly disgusting, and and he agreed. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is premium fraud watch again for for Nunes. He's he's on the he's he's still on the chopping block uh, on on my island. So he better figure it out. You know, uh, Liverpool did have a couple of shots on target. They they didn't look awful by any stretch, but they got completely bailed out by those goals. That could have one hundred percent been a draw or even a loss. Honestly, they they just we're not clinical whatsoever. And if TAA and Rabo don't get like mega involved in the attack, their attack is fucking bang average, like super mediocre just because Tiago and well, Harvey Elliott can get into the attack, but he doesn't really. And same thing with Hendo. Like those guys just don't get into the attack. They're there. They can put a ball in maybe or, um, or, or lace a long shot, but they're not really going to get forward with you. And when you look at some of the other teams, the way that, you know, especially the teams at the top, like look at Arsenal and look at 
uh, city right now. KDB, mega involved in the attack. Gundogan, same thing. Uh, Odegaard, super involved in the attack. Same thing with Xhaka and even Partey to an extent. Like, it's important now. And if you're not able to do it, then you're going to have tough games. I think Liverpool got 100% bailed out in this one. Yeah, I would say those teams have a nice safety blanket with that holding mid and Rodri for City and Partey for Arsenal. I think Fabinho not being in this team uh, due to personal reasons, he was a big loss. He holds the line back, and that gets all the other four on the outside going a bit more. Uh, Henderson kind of had to fill in that role today, and we saw him get exposed early on. Um, and like you said, I think Elliot's still a little too young, even though this season he's gotten a full first-team spot. Um, whether that's due to them not being able to bring somebody in the summertime to fill his role, but he's going to have to do with what time he has left in that position. Um, but at the end of the day, all that matters is you get the three points and you move on. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay, let's move on to the next one. We had Leicester City nil, Newcastle three. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the wrong wrong week. Uh, Wolves nil, Manchester United one. Marcus Rashford on the bench at the start of this game, a disciplinary issue. Apparently, he was a bit late for a meeting because he overslept. Uh, I thought this was absolutely ridiculous because Rashford is far and away the best player at the club. I know you can't make excuses like that, but Rashford is not somebody that has a disciplinary history. In fact, he's maybe the most upstanding citizen in the entire United United Kingdom. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's been knighted by now already uh, for his his charity work. I just found it absolutely appalling that he was left on the bench in a match that you need to win with zero disciplinary history whatsoever and being really young and all the work that he does. Like, I thought it was fucking insane. United looked really flat uh, for the entire game. A couple of chances, you know, through <clears throat> through Garnacho and Anthony. I think Anthony missed a couple of really, really simple uh, passes that could have for sure put... Uh, United through and and probably up earlier, um. But once once Rashford came on, they they looked really really good. Uh, he probably should have had two goals. The one was called off for a handball, uh. But the first one was was absolutely fantastic. So sixteen shots for United, six of those on target, three shots on target for Wolves, ten uh, shots total, and majority of the possession fifty five percent went United's way. So United looking really good when Rashford's on the pitch, looking just like they did before when he's not. Uh, a good 1-0 victory, though. Yeah, I would say for Wolves, with uh, under Lopetegui now, we've seen them in a, a few matches, and I think they look a lot better. There's more structure. Uh, there's a bit better sense of an identity, and I, they were really in this game, obviously, only being 1-0, but they, they had a, a couple opportunities where they could have put it away. Costa had one. Um, Mateus Nunes was a big impact in the midfield being back in the team uh, we know Ruben Neves is the heartbeat of the midfield for them so I think all around it was a good day um, unfortunate Rashford off the bench was the X factor and it could have been 2-0 um, but VAR ruled out the second one from Rashford but yeah I think Casemiro has just shown his class being a a starter week in and week out game after game he had that a brief period there as soon as he came that he was kind of slowly being integrated into the team. Uh, Ten Hag didn't want to throw him right in the deep end. And now they have a very familiar starting 11, 12, 13 guys that they play. And it seems like everybody knows their roles. And obviously they are on a roll three in a row and they get another matchup that they should cakewalk against Bournemouth coming up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Let's move on to the next one. You have Manchester city one, Everton one. Yeah, this was the biggest head-scratcher, I'd say. Um, it just shows the what what type of club Everton are. There are teams that will fold under this pressure, and they're a club that uh, getting a result like this always keeps them in the league. And uh, it's a moment for them to really build on, and not many teams get to say they earn points off Man City. Um, it also helps out everybody else around them in the league in that area, but... 24th minute, we saw Holland get another goal, puts him on 21 this year in the season alone. Uh, assisted by Mars, it was a nice, well-worked team goal. From there, we thought it was going to be uh, rolling and rolling, but Everton were really stout. They were being chippy, breaking play up a lot, hitting heavy counters. 
and they really got into City's head a bit. Holland went into a crazy challenge on Mikolenko. We saw De Bruyne also on his countryman Onana get stuck in a bit. Uh, it was back and forth. It was crazy. And then 64th minute on just a quick break, Damari Gray, a nice solo run, cuts in and hits an absolute banger bar down top corner. Um, we, excuse me, we, we, I think he did something very similar last year against Chelsea in pretty much the same fashion. But that was all they needed to hold on. And there was a technical malfunction on the one of the linesman's headsets. So there was heavy stoppage time, 11 minutes, I think it was. Yep. Man City should have won it in the end. They, were, they had three, minimum of three opportunities. They could have put it away. And uh, the whole time you're thinking, oh, they're going to score, they're going to win here, um, that we just know that's the type of team they are. And it just, today wasn't that day. Sometimes it doesn't hit. And uh, it's a great point for Everton here to go off of and um, go into a better matchup next game. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, okay. <clears throat> we'll move on. I mean, that one was just, it, it didn't even move the needle for me. It's good for Everton. I also met an Everton fan yesterday. A lot of, lot of uh, enjoyers at the bar. I was a bit shocked. And That's he, awesome. He just said, uh, you know, he was watching. He was like, oh, I'd really like to hear the Arteta press conference. And I was like, why? He was, he was in the Coast Guard. I said, why? I just, he was at my table and I said, why do you want to hear that? And he said, oh, oh, I I watch. I follow the league. And I said, oh, okay. And he's like, I saw your hat. Because I, I always wear my Arsenal hat if they're playing on the day that I'm working. Right. And I was like, oh, who do you support? And he's like, Everton. And I just said, I'm so sorry for your troubles. <laughs> like, I'm really sorry to hear that. But thanks for the draw. I really appreciate it. And I, I bought him a drink, so. Um, oh, absolutely. That's a given. Have to. Thank you for the draw. I, he was in the Coast Guard. I don't think they're allowed to drink when they're on leave, so I bought him a lemonade. But still, the, uh, <laughs> the sentiment was there. Okay, yeah. let's move on uh, to the next one. We had um, Fulham versus Southampton. A late winner from Jao Polina is the difference in this one. 2-1 to Fulham. James Ward-Prowse with an own goal in the 32nd. Been unlucky there. Great finish, uh, actually. It was really assisted by Willian, uh, but James Ward-Prowse just turned it into his own net accidentally, of course. In the 56th, he got one back for Southampton. It was 1-1 until the dying embers when Jao Polina scored in the 88th. Very quiet game for both of these teams offensively. Five shots on target total between the two, three of them actually going to Southampton. Majority of the possession did go to Fulham with 63%, but pretty quiet. I mean, these teams, it's it's Mitrovic versus Adams. I'd probably give the edge to Mitrovic. Um, Fulham were the better team. I think they moved the ball around much better. But Southampton, definitely a little bit hard done by here. Uh, I think most people expected this to be a, a low-scoring match, and it, it was for sure. Uh, I This one probably should have been 1-1. It was a good finish by Polinia in the end, but... You know, it's it's definitely unfortunate for Southampton here because Ward Prowse is your best player and he scored an own goal. Yeah, he had the most goals on the day. Yeah. Uh, just um and I think Mitrovic at the end getting that penalty saved was kind of a buzzkill uh for Fulham. But um yeah, great job overall. The defense didn't have to do too too much work because of Southampton having a lot of uh formation issues and they're constantly changing things a little bit nathan jones is just trying to to find level ground to plant his flag on how they want to play and as you mentioned they're getting hard done by game after game the last game the brighton ones they had multiple uh, mistakes that imploded on themselves and in, in this game it was a similar fashion with just a, a bad deflection and then uh just a set piece error so uh, i think that's five straight losses now there's still only two points from the from safety because there's a handful of other teams that are struggling. So it's not the end of the world, but um, sooner or later they need to string at least some sort of results their way. And um, I think they get another crack at it this week with a better matchup against Nottingham Forest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. We had Bournemouth nil, Crystal Palace 2. It falls to you so you can revoke your fraud watch from last week. Yeah, I will take back my 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 fraud watch on Vieira. They bounced back in a game that I thought they were going to lose again. 
Um, Bournemouth at home, I thought, looking at the, the uh, numbers and that, they play significantly better. And obviously the home team kind of has an advantage most times, but wasn't to be here. Bournemouth had a few chances, but um, were kind of tame in the end. 19th minute, we saw Jordan Ayew get his first goal here off a corner. Michael Elizzi on the set piece. Uh, and then exactly on the opposite end, uh, or I should say the opposite corner flag, we saw Eberichi Eze get a goal from Elize again, who is heavily uh, flying under the radar a bit for this team. And maybe if he continues performances like this, he may get a, a move to a bigger club eventually. Who knows? But yeah, this was a vintage Palace game. They got Mark Wehi back at center back. He played a major role in there with Anderson, did a lot better with, or did a lot better than James Comps. James Tompkins did in the previous match. So that was a boost for them there. And it seemed like the guys were willing to play harder in this one, uh, not going down early and having multiple bookings go against them. But yeah, it was kind of sad for Bournemouth in any sort of buildup, or maybe I should say that when they won the ball in their defensive end, it seemed like there was a bit of confusion on where the outlet was and guys just weren't on the same page. So it seemed like they were always getting pinned back even when they were um, clearing clearing the danger. So uh, it's a tough one for Bournemouth. They're kind of free-falling a bit, and everybody else around them is slowly ticking and passing them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, both goals, I think. Ayu's goal was, was a bit cheeky, but Eze's goal was absolutely fantastic. Really good first-half performance from Palace in this one. Bournemouth, not a team that you can count out. Um, I know that they they are pretty shit, but a lot of times earlier this season they'd come from behind and nick a point or nick three points, like just really weird shit. Um, so for Palace to be able to get two goals early here and then sit back, defend well, uh, and walk away with all three points and a shutout, I think, uh, is exactly what they needed after that absolute disaster last week. Um, so definitely happy for Palace, and it's it's great to see. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Vieira, get off of Fraud Watch. Truly love to see it. Okay, let's move on to my pain match of the week. Uh, this was the one that I picked wrong in the parlay. I thought Newcastle absolutely would win this game. They were unable to do so despite fucking battering leads a majority of the game. 16 shots, 5 shots on target, 60% possession, completed 419 passes. Leeds 297. Leeds did register just one shot on target on eight total shots. They looked, I guess, better defensively, but at the same time, like still suspect, letting a lot of runs in, letting a lot of balls into the box. Uh, Mesley really stood on his head a couple of times in this game. Really good save from a header late. Uh, I think Almiron had a chance as well earlier on in the match. Just a, a really good performance from him. I think Leeds were bailed out by his performance in this one. I know he's had some bad ones as well this year, but uh, really, really good performance from, I guess, their back line in total, but really uh, Elon Meslier and a disappointing result for Newcastle here. Uh, they had a lot of really good chances, and they just weren't able to do it. They defended well. Trippier looked good. Same thing with Byrne. This back line is, is very, very good, and, and Pope, obviously, didn't have to do much work in this one. Uh, but I'm sure that they will be very disappointed not taking at least a point or at least, you know, three points from this one. They they definitely deserved it. Yeah, going back to when we predicted this game, I did have a feeling it'd be tight. And I think Leeds, with the energy they bring to matches, is, is really hard to match. Even if they don't have the most talented squad, they they bring all that heart and energy um, Tyler Adams being back in there now was a big boost for them. He covered so much ground. We're seeing uh, that Nunto, uh, the young Italian winger, uh, get consecutive starts now in the league, and he's really taken that spot in his own. Uh, they played Harrison in more of a central role in behind Rodrigo with Harrison, so it's kind of free-flowing. Those guys rotate in and out depending on where the ball is, and I think they played a really good job here coming off a City game where they had same energy. And obviously, Man City has more quality here than Newcastle, but uh, they really frustrated the the Geordies and earned themselves a nice point here to get some sort of momentum going into another matchup where, uh, like a bunch of other teams, it's more favorable for them. Yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Let's move on to the next one. We had Brighton and Arsenal. Yeah. So 
this was a good game. Got to watch it uh, at like a pub for launch. It was definitely a game that everybody had circled. I did think that Brighton had a had an opportunity, and I thought they would steal some points, but right from the jump, they just slapped me right in the face. Saka in the second minute keeps on rolling. He's on fire form, and then the 39th minute, we saw Odegaard off a set piece. Ball came out. He hit a bouncer in there. Had a nice little basketball celebration. Um, and Brighton really weren't really in this game. In the first half, they kind of struggled a bit. Matoma's been a nice addition uh, as a, week st- a weekly starter in there. It's going to be hard for uh, Danny Welbeck to get back into this team with all these other guys becoming uh, bigger names in the in the squad. Uh, 47th minute, and Ketia gets a nice little rebound in there. That doesn't matter what it looked like. He's in the right place at the right time. And that really just uh, cemented the game as a whole. You saw the celebrations from the Arsenal staff, and it just meant so much to them. Uh, and then Matoma, as I mentioned, 65th minute, they were a, well, uh, a well-worked goal, assisted by Gross. And then Ode- or Odegaard plays a nice ball in behind Martinelli. Speed does the rest uh, and puts the fourth in, and that really just set everybody up um, in elation. Uh, back in the seventh for Brighton. Uh, and then there was a bit scary portion there in the 88th minute. Matoma grabbed a second, but VAR ruled uh, him off by maybe a stud. Um, and that really could have been the spicy last couple of minutes in the match if it was a one-goal game. But it ended in a decent fashion. Um, Saliba had another bit of a, uh average game, maybe low below par to how we think we've been thinking he, his standard is and haven't really been hearing a lot of those Saliba chants. No, I mean, this was another pretty mediocre one. Arsenal conceding uh, two in this one. They conceded one in the last one. And they had the last time they conceded was like early October. So that's a bit troubling. Uh, the defense down the stretch definitely fumbled a bit. But we have to also take into account that Bright, excuse me, Brighton are a really good team. Um and they had a lot of players forward. Matoma is really tough to mark. Like uh, Matt said, he is really, really good. Sully March has been good. Same thing. Like Trossard is obviously very dangerous as well. And then you have guys getting forward like Gross, Gilmore, shit. But Gross, Estupignan, even Lamptey. There's a lot to mark. There's a lot to cover. Um, and I just, you know, it, it, they definitely got to us a bit there towards the end. Uh, the one that got ruled off. I did think we were in danger when that one went in, but they ruled it off yeah. and we are able to just see the match out after that. So I was really pleased uh, with that Arsenal performance. I'll take the three points there. It is crazy to to think now that like Brighton aren't actually tough team to play, but they are. They're, they're like a point behind Chelsea, um, Fulham, another team. They're, these aren't like patty cakes anymore. They're, they're not just easy shitter teams. They're, they're tough. They have a formulaic attack. They they defend well. They play as a team. Like it, it's tough to play against those teams these days. Uh, it's like you know Wolves and Southampton teams that used to be like that and now aren't. Those are the teams that you can go into a match and just know that you're going to get a result. So things have changed, but um, I'm glad Arsenal got the points there. We got five wins in our last five. Seven points clear at the top of the table. Let's hope we can hang on to it, and we'll move on to the other part of North London, the white part, the nearly ghostly part of North London, Tottenham nil, Aston Villa 2. A quiet first half, zero action for the most part, but a really, really good second half for Aston Villa. Emmy Buendia in the 50th minute, Douglas Louise in the 73rd, a beautiful 2-0 victory for the villains um, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tough look here. Tough look. Uh, totally outplayed, I'd say, offensively by Villa. Uh, with Kane and Son up top just not doing a ton in this one. It's it's good that they have Perisic um, in there, but he hasn't made a, a huge um, effect for them like he was for Croatia, doing for Croatia in the World Cup. And Villa, just just better on the day. Good to see Buendia get in there. Uh, still glad Arsenal didn't sign him all those years ago when he was supposed to come. 
but yeah, I, I'm sure Villa will be absolutely thrilled with the three points here. And I know as an Arsenal fan, I am just smiling ear to ear seeing Tottenham in fifth, 13 points behind us. Yeah, it's a major gap. I think that's the biggest gap in a long time. If yeah. I just had to think on the top of my head, uh, like you mentioned, full credit to Villa. Um, my new fraud watch, taking Vieira off. I have a pair I'm putting on here. Uh, Huming Son, he's had little to no contributions in, in front of the goal. He's been really struggling the whole season, really. Uh, and then probably top would be Lloris coming off of the World Cup where he didn't really have to do too much until like the semifinals, and that's when things got kind of kind kind of spicy in a way, and weren't going in his favor. And the penalty shootout took a big knock on his confidence. And we saw the first goal, as you mentioned, the Buendia goal came off a mistake from him not being able to fully hold the ball or push it away from danger. Um, Ollie Watkins jumping on it and just slipping it back. So the I really wanted to put the whole team, but just those two guys right there. Have really been letting them down of lately. Um, Parasic, you mentioned, is a bright spot, and Basuma, another mediocre game where he doesn't really have. He's not making a major impact on the game, whereas Bentacord does. He's a massive player in there for them, uh, as well as Kulusevski. He wasn't playing here either. They had Gill or, or Brian Hill in there, and yeah, he did. He didn't do the best he, he could, but chances in this team. We know last year he got loaned out the full year, so. We know he wasn't going to be a major character in this game, but yeah, credit to Villa. It gives them a boost of confidence um, coming off that bad loss um, to to Liverpool, where they were definitely in it. So uh, they move on, and Tottenham slowly, well, they did fall out of the top four now, so they have to kind of climb their way back, and there's teams around them that still have a game in hand on them. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next. I'm sure this is going to be a tough one for you to recap. Nottingham Forest 1, Chelsea 1. Oh, you're leaving it to me. I am going to leave this one to you. It's your turn, isn't it? No, I just did the... Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, my yeah. bad. Yeah, uh, you're good. Because I did the Arsenal one. Oh, right. I just... Okay, yeah. Um. Yeah, that pit, that feeling in the pit of my stomach... <laughs> There was just something there. I was happy when I saw the lineups because it was the exact same 11 from the Bournemouth game. Uh, obviously, the exclusion of James for Aspi. Um We were definitely playing our normal ball. Uh, Zachariah in there doing a good, good job. And a ball whipped in on the left side comes across. Deflection off the bar and Sterling gets the rebound. That was nice for him. Got the assist in the previous match. So he's stringing a couple good performances there. Um, but after that, he was really a ghost. Uh, the the physicality that Forrest played with, that they got away with most of the time, was absurd. That was a main part of how they were still in this game. They were, I think Pulisic is the most physically abused player in this league. Him and Saka, it's tied. More than Grealish. Like, Grealish, when he was at Villa, was the most fouled. Like, Pulisic just gets bitched around. Yeah. It's not even funny, and the fact that they only had two yellows the entire game, uh, and we had just the amount as them, is absurd. Um, But I think the first half was good, it was serviceable, we go in decent, um, make a change in the 60th for Kovacic to come on, and that's where things kind of opened up. Uh, Nottingham Forest get the equalizer off a scummy type of bullshit goal. Uh, Couldn't, we didn't clear the ball out properly, it falls down. Once again, Willie Bolly puts his hand right in Pulisic's face so he can't see where the ball is. And uh, Serge Aurier, credit to him, a quick reaction, snapshot, Megs Keppa. And from there on out, it was just all forced in a way. They had the energy, the crowd behind them. Like I said, they have they perform significantly better at home. Um, and the problem was at that point when they have all that momentum and you need to make a a momentum shift for as speaking for Graham Potter, he goes to his bench and those guys didn't really do too much. If anyone, it was Ziek that really had any sort of impact um, ball, his signature whipped in ball to the back post and Aubameyang just no confidence in the world to go after it. And that was our main chance to win the game there, but it was unfortunately not meant to be. 
we we sit in kind of a limbo situation now, three points outside of the top six. Yeah. And we're the same distance from being in the bottom half of the table. So um not good. We go we go to play City now in two straight games in two competitions and hopefully we can earn some stripes and get battle tested in those two move into future games with more confidence, hopefully get a result in one of them. But it's this is a sour note to start the year on. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean this this was really tough. It was I, I caught the <clears throat> second half of this one and it was it was just ugly. Uh and I know I said last week like Chelsea really moved me with that performance and then they go out there uh and they do this. It it truly just comes down for me. Uh, it comes down to the fact that Koulibaly is not, not up to snuff. He has not been good enough, in my opinion. Cesar Azpilicueta should not be playing in this team whatsoever. Uh, and then you don't have a striker. Uh, Havertz is not a striker. He's an attacking midfielder or can play false nine. I just don't think he's good enough to play as a lone striker in the Prem. I just do not. Maybe if you paired him up with another player, he could and sort of play as the target man. Um, I think he's a really good player, like really, really good. I'd, I'd take him in Arsenal in a heartbeat. He's he's sick, but I just don't think he fits in this system. He doesn't finish for them hardly ever. Uh, sometimes he does, but it's not. It's just not enough. I just don't think he's good enough to play there uh, in that role by himself. And Sterling being your, it's probably tied between Sterling and Havertz for goals this year. Four goals. Both on four goals? Yeah. That's tough. That's, that's, that's really tough because those are really the only guys that are getting you any sort of goals whatsoever. Mount has not been good enough. It's just, it is, it's a bit dire at Chelsea. It, it doesn't feel good. And I know what that feels like. I really do because Arsenal had a lot of years like this where just things were not good enough. Koulibaly is a good player as well, and he's not up to snuff. We we played with slow center backs at Arsenal, and we, we played with aging outside backs and strikers that couldn't actually finish and, and older wingers or wingers that don't fit the system. Like, it's it's tough to watch. And if the, the tactics aren't there either, it's it's just not a good recipe. And I, I don't like to see Chelsea be shitty just because I have friends to support them. And I do think the league is better when Chelsea is good and Tottenham is good and United is good, but this is a, this is a down year. No doubt about it. Yeah. I would say we definitely had moments to win the game. It yeah. just came out of that to that certain period where they just turned into like an, of true underdog and really yeah. just didn't focus on the beauty of the game. They just really just grinded it out scraped and clawed their way into it and got their goal so and i don't think we're that type of team we don't have that that dog mentality that Mm -hmm. the we saw the u.s have at the world cup and we've seen arsenal with their young core and energized and drive to go into these games ready to go to war and we just don't have that confidence in us right now at the moment so um it's tough because we're we're starting to fade out of that top four area we're seven points behind yeah. Um, we we do have a game in hand on a couple teams, but even then, if it worked out, it's still tough to watch. So these these top end matches we have, like the city one coming up, are going to be crucial for us to get points out of. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, okay, I suppose we'll run right into match day 19. Yeah, I'll say before the records because I forgot to say at the start, uh, I had the worst week. I go from my best week to my worst week. I went three and seven. Zach went four and six, and Evan topped us out five and five. Yeah, I'll take uh, it. O- overalls, we are all tied. Eighty-one wins, eighty-five losses. All right. So that goes into here. Starting the new year, everybody is right where they were. Game week one. Right, of course. All right, cool. Um, okay, let's jump into these games. We have Brentford versus Liverpool tomorrow at twelve thirty. Uh, Liverpool obviously heavily favorited in this one. They're in sixth on 28 points. Uh, they just got all three against a shit Leicester City team. Brentford coming off a 2-0 victory against West Ham. 
Uh, I'm going to take Liverpool in this one, but I think it's close. I can see there being a late winner here. Yeah, I'm taking Liverpool as well um, because uh, the uncertainty on Tony's status as well as Liverpool getting uh, that injury to Robertson as well. Not sure about him, but there's the potential that Cody Cody Gakpo could make his appearance, first appearance for the club in this game. Uh, I'm sure not as a starter. Uh, Fabinho, too, will probably come back, I would imagine. So I'm going to take Liverpool for that, and then Zach is going to go with a draw. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Leicester City versus Fulham up next. Leicester are actually the favorite in this one, which is very strange. It is home. It's at the King Power, so they're getting a bit of the betting money from that. Um, But Fulham are a much, much better team this year. This one's pretty straightforward to me. I'm going to take Fulham straight up. I think they win this game. Yeah, I'm taking Fulham as well. So is Zach. There's just too many major key pl- or too many key players that are out for Leicester, and um, with the way the back lines form is in, it's putrid, and Fulham are flying at the moment. So it's really hard not to pick them. Fair enough. Uh, another tough one here next: Arsenal versus Newcastle. This game's at the Emirates, so it's home for Arsenal. They're the favorite, but there's a bit of money coming in on Newcastle as well. Uh, really, really tough, but Arsenal have five wins in their last five. I don't want to bet against them. I'm going to take them as well. I, this one's probably going to be a draw, or we might even lose, but I'll take Arsenal. Yeah, it's going to be really hard with how good Arsenal's attack is, and credit to Newcastle. They, they do well too, but we haven't seen many teams able to crack Newcastle's defense uh very very few times we've seen them concede even multiple goals that lead the league with only 11 against um zach's going with arsenal uh i kind of want to do the draw to be a little bit different but with the way odegaard's playing and it's incredible to watch so i'm gonna i'm gonna complete the the trifecta there and go with arsenal with you guys beautiful we have everton versus brighton up next another game where the predictions are a bit closer to the center than I would have thought. Brighton with only a 45% win probability right here. Uh, I'm going to go with Brighton against Everton. I just don't think Everton are going to be up to the task. Brighton did play really well in the second half against an Arsenal team that is really tough to break down at this point. So I think the Seagulls win this one. Yeah, it's tough. They go from winning 4-1 to now losing 4-2. It's a complete flip of the flip of the coin there. Uh, Zach's going with Brighton as well. I don't like Everton at home um, coming off a massive result against City. I feel like there's going to be even more pressure on them now than even before if they lost. Um, so I'm going to have to go with Brighton too. So I like them on the road a lot. I think uh, they're the best team on the road i saw they get more points on the road than they do at home okay excuse me i'm yawning uh we have manchester united versus bournemouth up next united a heavy favorite here against bournemouth this one's going to be weird i'm sure rashford will be in the starting lineup which is important I mean, there's no other way around it. It's just really important at this point. He's like their talisman. He's their youngest. Well, not their youngest, but their most developed young player, we'll say. Uh, and I think it's it's important that he's in the team. So as long as he's starting, I'm going to go with United. Yeah, this is the third team in a row. They're playing in this bottom tier area of the, of the league at the moment. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to have to go with United to Zach with United as well. Okay, and then we have Southampton versus Nottingham Forest up next. An absolute dog shit match. I'm going to take a draw on this one. This is just going to be, pardon my French, two retards fighting. So we'll we'll just take the draw here. Yeah, Zach's taking Forest outright, looking to get their first win of the season on the road. Um, I definitely could see that if I had to lean towards a favor to be Forest, but I'm going to agree with you and go with a, a, a underwhelming draw. Okay, you got it. Leeds United versus West Ham up next. Uh, West Ham just so deep in the mud at this point. They're in 17th. uh, Zero points from safety. They're just in 17th on differential right now. And then we have Leeds who are on 16 points, two points from the drop. I'm going to take Leeds. I'm going to keep fading West Ham. They really suck. They seem to have no game plan whatsoever. Leeds at least defend as a team. So I'll take Leeds. I think that they can definitely get a point and probably get three points in this one. 
Yeah, with the the way they've come out of the blocks uh, after the World Cup break, they they really do have that energy and drive going forward to always create chances and opportunities. Uh, Zach agrees with you; he'll go with Leeds, but I'm still kind of sticking with this West Ham team. That's a kind of a that's not kind of it is a very unpopular opinion to take, but I do think with with the way I saw them play against Brentford, they definitely deserved to score at least one goal to make that a better contest and. I think Leeds' defense is a lot, uh, there's a lot more opportunities to expose them than there was for Brentford. So I'm going to go with a draw here. Okay. Ugh. Aston Villa versus Wolves up next. Aston Villa coming off a big victory against Tottenham. Wolves coming off a 1-0 defeat against United. Villa currently in 12th on 21 points. Wolves in 19th on 13. Um Draw for me. I'm going to take a draw. I can't see Villa stringing two together here. I think Wolves actually have looked okay in their last two matches, and I think they can get a point here if they defend well. Okay. Yeah, Zach's going with Villa outright, and I am as well. I definitely liked what I saw. Emmy Martinez should be back. Uh, there's definitely a few injury issues with Aston Villa to half of their midfield, so that may be a bit concerning, but. For Wolves, I feel like there may be issues um, going forward. But I do agree they look more positive. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to flip my pick. I'm going to go with Wolves here. Oh, wow. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to look like an absolute mug, or I'm going to look like a genius. Yeah, so that's okay. I'm going to ride the Costa bandwagon, and I want to see him score his first goal against Andy Martinez. Yeah, I would love to see that as well. Two just kings of shithousery there. They could definitely get in a fist fight. Oh, no doubt about it. Blood will be spilled on this pitch. Uh, okay, Crystal Palace versus Tottenham up next. Uh, this one's at Selhurst, so Palace will be home. <sighs> tough Tottenham mega favorite but Kulu's injured he's huge for them Richarlison's injured it's just going to be down to Kane and Son again I think this Palace team can win this game and I think they do win this game so I'm going to take Palace as my flyer of the week um Zach's taking Spurs this is two kings of some categories we know Palace is the king of giving up leads whenever they take the lead they always drop the bag Spurs the king of the comeback um, this is going to be tough. I'm going to, once again, go with Spurs here in a positive result. Uh, it is a fraud watch match of the week for me, coming off of the Vieira backpedal and now stepping on a few of the Spurs players. It'll be interesting to see what happens here, and I think Tottenham bounce back. Okay, cool. Uh, and then our last game of the week, probably the best game of the week, maybe besides Arsenal-Newcastle, uh, is Chelsea versus City. This game's on Thursday at 3 p.m. Should be a good watch. I'm going to take City. I, I think that they beat the ever-living shit out of Chelsea in this one. Zach's going with City. I'm going with City. I don't think it's going to be as bad as you think. I think with the way both teams play, there's going to be a lot of patience. Um, and I think we're going to see Chelsea play more counterattacking style that may suit some players better, um, i.e. Pulisic. Mount Sterling, we maybe be able to expose those back ends of the full backs and have more more space for them to run into and use that pace. And we've seen in the past, Pulisic has done this against City, scored in the uh, a match last year, I think, or the year before. So there's definitely moments for us to get a result here. I'm positive we can. Uh, we just saw Everton do it, so why not us? And it, I'm really interested to see how Thiago Silva goes about. Um, tracking down Holland. Uh, yeah, he's going to need a map for that one. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough at his age to, to mark Holland. I mean, Thiago Silva is so good enough physically to do it, but it's... It's just not a small task, honestly. You know, it, I mean, it, I'm not saying more on the physical side. Obviously, Holland's going to beat 99% of defenders, but I think just the mental game on yeah. positioning yourselves in areas where you know the ball is going to end up, and we see Holland on almost all of his goals. He's anticipating the area where it's going into it. He fully attacks it. And yeah. if Silva can be planted in those situations to cut him off or foul him to challenge for that ball, 
just to upset his balance just a little bit to give us that much better of a chance to have support or Keppa get an extra second to save it. Yeah. Um, I, I think will be crucial for this game. And uh, I want to see what type of, what type of midfield he puts out there too, because um, we're going to need guys with 99 stam. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You guys are going to need Zakaria for sure. Um, and you're just going to have to get the other guys to track back because everybody's got to defend in this one. You can't just, like, Mount can't just, like, stay up and, and st- leave himself at cam. Everybody's yeah. got to have a man. Everybody's got to mark in the middle because if you give City too much time, it's it's going to be over, like, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So this should that should be a really good game. I'm I'm mega excited to watch that one for sure. Um and then I think that's it. We'll have a week before we get into games again. So the game the, the next game after uh Chelsea Man City is actually Chelsea Fulham. So we'll have plenty yep. of time to record another episode in between uh now and then. Uh, is there uh is there anybody else you wanted to put on fraud watch. Oh yeah, yeah, Ten Hog, Ten Hog. I think for benching his best player, uh, he's been on fraud watch for some time, but he he's been off the list. I I'll say, United are in a better spot now for sure, but uh, he he was on uh, he was on momentary fraud watch. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, because benching your best player is just bad for business, in my opinion. Okay, maybe Saliba. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to put him on there yet. Under the radar. Under the radar fraud watch, maybe, for, for William Saliba. That's, that's really painful for me to do, but he really hasn't been very good the past two weeks. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess that's everything from us. That's episode 170 wrapped up in a nice little bow for you. Happy New Year, everybody. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you head over there. Follow us up, like us up, leave a comment, whatever you want to do. Uh, We will see you guys next week. Good luck on all your bets, and uh, hopefully your teams do well. Take care.